Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for standing by and welcome to the fourth quarter 2020 Black Line Earnings Conference Call. At this time, all participants are in a listen-only mode. After the speaker's presentation, there will be a question and answer session. To participate on that portion of the call, simply press star 1 on your telephone. If you require any further assistance, please press star then 0. I will now hand the conference over to your speaker today, Alex Keller, Vice President of Investor Relations. Good afternoon, and thank you for your participation today. With me on the call is Mark Huffman, Chief Executive Officer of Blackline, Mark Parton, Chief Financial Officer, and Therese Tucker, Founder and Executive Chair. Before we get started, I would like to note that certain statements made during this conference call that are not historical facts, including those regarding our future plans, objectives, and expected performance, in particular, our guidance for Q1 and the full year, are forward-looking statements within the meaning of the Private Securities Litigation Reform Act of 1995. These forward-looking statements represent our outlook only as of the date of this call. While we believe any forward-looking statements we may make are reasonable, actual results could differ materially because the statements are based on our current expectations as of today and are subject to risks and uncertainties, including those stated in our periodic reports filed with the Securities and Exchange Commission, in particular, our Form 10-K and Form 10-Q. We do not undertake and expressly disclaim any obligation to update or alter our forward-looking statements, whether as a result of new information, future events, or otherwise, except as required by applicable law. Also, unless otherwise stated, all financial measures disclosed on this call will be non-GAAP. A discussion of why we use non-GAAP financial measures and information regarding reconciliations of our GAAP versus non-GAAP results is currently available in our press release, which may be found on our investor relations website at investors.blackline.com or on our form 8K filed with the SEC today. Now I will turn the call over to Mark to begin. Good afternoon, everyone, and thank you for joining us today. As I look back on 2020, what began as a year of such promise quickly shifted to a year that tested our resilience and our ability to adapt. I'm incredibly proud of what Blackline was able to accomplish in 2020 as we continued to drive growth, scale the business, and maintain a strong leadership position, all while leading with compassion towards our colleagues, our partners, and of course, our customers. I'd now like to take an opportunity to highlight the initiatives that enabled our success throughout the pandemic and that we believe will continue to drive future growth. First, our commitment to serve our customers has grown stronger than ever. Throughout the year, we showcased just how much we care for our customers with outreach efforts supported by nearly every department in Blackline and spanning a variety of programs from education, training and development, to coaching sessions, relief programs, and some complimentary products and services. We have received multiple accolades for these efforts, but the greatest reward comes from our customer testimonials and hearing how Blackline enabled a seamless month-end close 
in the face of an unprecedented pandemic. In these difficult times, we remained true to our founding principles to serve our customers, which has strengthened our relationships and driven expansion of existing accounts. I'm very proud of our efforts to serve our customers and our commitment to their success, and I believe this compassion will continue to differentiate Blackline. Second, we invested in key areas such as talent, product, customer success, and M&A to make our organization stronger. In 2020, we increased our pace of hiring, adding senior leaders across the organization in strategy, alliances, product, technology, and R&D. We accelerated our investment in R&D and product innovation, resulting in new products, new functionality, and an aggressive product roadmap to maintain our leadership position. We retained our capacity in services and sales and added headcount to our customer success teams, driving strong results in customer account growth. And last, but certainly not least, we made a strategic investment in our long-term vision to best serve the controller with our largest acquisition ever. The acquisition of Remelia marked our entry into the adjacent market of accounts receivables automation and grew our total addressable market to more than $28 billion. History has shown that companies who invest in a downturn are often better equipped to respond to demand when the economy recovers. We believe these investments have made Blackline stronger and well-positioned to capitalize on an improving macroeconomy in 2021. Third, we continue to use our expertise to bring value to the market. When you engage with a customer or prospect around their corporate goals, the conversation changes to a strategic discussion of proven use cases, processes that scale, and real value creation. Our modern accounting playbook, or MAP offering, is one example of how Blackline uses its expertise and leadership to sell value and has been a strong growth lever for us in the mid-market. At our Beyond the Black event in November, we extended this initiative with the introduction of our collaborative accounting experience as a framework to guide customers and prospects along every step of their modern accounting journey. We have turned the insights and learnings from nearly 300,000 accountants across more than 3,400 customers into leading practices that accelerate time to value and create great customer experiences. Our ability to lead our customers has continued to generate returns as we land new accounts, expand our footprint with existing customers, generate goodwill, and further strengthen our competitive position. And fourth, we came up with new and innovative ways to virtually engage with and connect to the finance and accounting community. From webinars to finance transformation series to best practice summits and strategic client forums, we continue to host educational and world-class events that focused on urgent topics such as the remote close and cash optimization. Our Beyond the Black event was our largest virtual event yet, and it was a huge success. Beyond the Black attracted 12 times as many attendees compared to the in-person event we held last year. With the nearly 18,000 registrants, we had representatives from more than 70% of our existing customers and more than 700 new prospects. 
This event is about bringing our community of accounting and finance leaders together to educate them on how modern accounting can support their organizational goals. Nearly 4,000 attendees participated in the SAP track to learn how to enable financial close excellence within their SAP instance. We had more than 2,000 attendees tune into our newly introduced Blackline Cash Application Breakout Session, formerly known as Remelia Cash. We received hundreds of positive reviews from customers in G2, Trust Radius, and Gartner Peer Insights, as well as a best-in-class virtual event net promoter score of 62 for the event. And, of course, the event generated new opportunities and interest from both new and existing customers. These touch points have enabled us to reach a broader audience in 2020 than we could have in prior years. We believe this degree of engagement and awareness will continue to enhance our brand recognition and drive future opportunities. These initiatives, combined with the continued improvement in the demand environment, drove another quarter of strong results. We saw momentum across all facets of the business, resulting in better-than-expected performance for the quarter. For instance, we continued to see an increasing trend of large deals, both new and expansion, suggesting companies are committing to large digital transformation projects. Our existing customers continue to progress on their finance transformation journeys with upsells, cross-sells, and the addition of strategic products. Following three consecutive quarters of large deal momentum, we feel good about the pipeline for large transformational deals in 2021. Our MAP offering continues to gain strong traction in the mid-market. MAP generated a record number of new logos in Q4, eclipsing the earlier record and commanding a higher average sales price. From a sheer volume perspective, nearly half of our new logo volume in 2020 came from MAP logos alone. As mentioned earlier, our MAP offering is aligned with our value approach to selling, which is making it easier for customers to buy and creating greater consistency for our mid-market sales engine. Solex was another strong performer resulting in its largest quarter to date. As our Solex partnership has matured, it continues to drive more revenue and a greater volume of new logo ads. In 2020, Solex added nearly twice as many new logos when compared to 2019. What's more, now that this partnership is two years in, we also started to see account expansion with the Solex add-on business throughout the year. We have a very strong land and expand model, and although the primary goal of the Solex partnership is to generate new logo ads, we expect Solex customers will experience account growth similar to that of our direct customers. Given the continued progress with this relationship, we believe we have a good setup for growth in 2021. Our new cash application product has generated a significant amount of interest among existing customers. We signed our first few joint deals in the quarter as extensions to existing contracts, which allowed for accelerated sales cycles. We also captured a small number of new cash applications logos due to the urgent needs surrounding cash optimization. Cash application has only been available for a short time, but early indicators are strong, and we like what we're seeing in the market. 
And of course, our partner ecosystem continues to drive new logos and account expansion, and we saw that trend continue in the fourth quarter. Our partners tell us that their customers urgently need help with their remote close and cash optimization. We believe our partner ecosystem will continue to validate our value proposition and influence key decision makers in 2021. Throughout 2020, we've seen continual improvement, and Q4 marked yet another quarter of increasing activity and momentum, albeit not at the same level we experienced pre-COVID. With that said, we exceeded expectations in the current macro environment and delivered strong Q4 2020 results that we're really pleased with. Looking to 2021, in January, we held our company-wide kickoff event where I shared with our employees around the globe how committed we are to them, to our customers, and to their future success. Just as importantly, we laid out our strategy for the upcoming year. Let me share with you now what I shared with them. Our strategy for 2021 is to continue to invest and to build on our long-term initiatives to fuel accelerated growth. From a product perspective, our vision is to improve and automate finance and accounting processes to be the most indispensable platform for the controllership. In 2020, we introduced new functionality, new products such as Cash App and Account Analysis, and we discussed our vision for the touchless close. In 2021, we will sustain and extend investments in our existing products and assess the market for adjacent opportunities to deepen our product offering and drive adoption of our platform. As the pioneer and leader in our space, we take that role very seriously. As such, we will continue to focus on strengthening our competitive advantages. We believe our ability to serve our customers and our commitment to customer success is a huge differentiator for Blackline. In 2021, we will continue to leverage our partner ecosystem, invest in our customer success teams, and use our expertise through offerings such as MAP and the Customer Journey Framework to help more companies make the move to modern accounting, accelerate their time to value, and ensure great customer experiences. And of course, we will continue to drive our organization and build a more inclusive, equitable, and diverse workplace. We enter 2021 stronger than we were a year ago, and we believe we are well positioned to capitalize on the huge market opportunity ahead of us. The key to success in this upcoming year is continued improvement in the demand environment. Throughout 2020, we saw this increase, and as we move into 2021, we are confident that CFOs and controllers are wrestling with these same challenges more than ever before. However, timing in this macro environment will affect everything. Our expectation is to continually come up the curve throughout the year. We look forward to sharing more about our 2021 and long-term strategy at our Analyst Day on March 9th. Before we discuss financial performance, I wanted to thank and congratulate Therese on building such a strong and unique company. Therese started this journey that became Blackline nearly 20 years ago. The position we have in our space, our brand, reputation, market-leading products, and customer loyalty are all a reflection of the past 20 years of her life's work. When I woke up on January 1st, my inaugural day as CEO at Blackline, 
Therese was the first person to reach out with an encouraging and supportive message. I'm grateful to be in a position to grow this company and incredibly excited to have a front row seat for the opportunity ahead. And now, I'll turn it over to Therese. Thank you, Mark, and good afternoon, everyone. I'd like to remind everyone that this transition has been long in the works and has been very deliberate. Mr. Huffman and I are now going on nearly three years of working together, so this feels more like a natural next step versus a big change. Over these past several years, I have seen Mark demonstrate great leadership and drive effective change at Blackline, and I have every confidence in his ability to scale Blackline as we enter this next phase of growth. Now that I am in my new role as Executive Chair, my primary responsibility is to facilitate board discussions and support Mark. And of course, when called upon by the team, I am always happy to assist with serving our customers and deepening our product offering, two areas that will continue to define and differentiate Blackline in the years to come. Finally, I wanted to thank all of the investors and analysts who have supported Blackline on this journey. You have all been a major part of our success. I have really enjoyed my time as a public company CEO, and I have enjoyed meeting with you, working with you, and I have truly learned so much. And with that, I'll turn the call over to Mark Parton. Thank you, Therese, Mark, and good afternoon, everyone. I'd like to start off by reiterating Mark's praise for our employees and what they have been able to accomplish over this past year. I am so proud of how Blackline has been able to adapt, lead, and show strength and resilience in a year of such unprecedented challenges. This is a testament to our culture, our foundation to serve, and our role as the market leader. Now, on to the numbers. For the full year 2020, total revenue grew 22% to $351.7 million. Given the difficult and challenging environment, this was a good result. We saw an improving demand environment throughout the year, and that recovery continued into Q4 to close out a solid end to the year. Our gross margins remained high at 83%, and with the help of work-from-home mandates for our employees and virtual marketing events, we achieved record profitability and cash flow with $46 million in net income and $55 million in cash from operations. For the fourth quarter, total revenue grew 19%. This growth represents a decline from the prior year resulting from the macro environment in 2020. We continue to see increasing demand with strong elements of growth returning to the business, such as an improving demand environment for large deals, continued progress with Solex, and the success of our MAP initiative. We remain optimistic about long-term growth, given the progress that we are seeing across our initiatives and the continued strength and stability in the underlying fundamentals of our business model in the fourth quarter. For instance, our international business was 26% of total revenue, up from 24% in the prior year. Revenue from our SAP partnership totaled 24% of total revenue, up from 23% in Q3. And as Mark mentioned, we saw revenue from our Solex partnership accelerate in Q4. 
70% of large deals in the quarter involved a partner, which is in line with the prior year and it's consistent with our go-to-market model expectations. Strategic products represented 19% of sales for the quarter, coming, at the, coming in at the high end of our anticipated range of 15 to 20%, with solid performances from all strategic products. Moving on to our key performance metrics for the quarter, we added 207 net new customers in the quarter for a total of 3,433 customers, including the addition of approximately 100 net new customers from the Remelia acquisition. As we anticipated, our dollar-based net revenue retention rate ticked down slightly in Q4 to 106%. The macro environment through the year has impacted demand, especially at the high end of the enterprise, and it limited our near-term expansion efforts within our existing customers. We do expect demand to return upon market recovery. In Q4, we generated net income attributable to Blackline of $13 million. We generated $15 million in operating cash flow and $8 million in free cash flow for the quarter. We finished the year with approximately $543 million in cash equivalents and marketable securities. Over the past several years, we've seen consistent improvement in net income, driven predominantly by operating leverage. In 2020, we accelerated well above trend to a 13% net income margin. Even with increased investment in customer success and our technology and product roadmap, primarily due to cost savings associated with mandatory work-from-home regulations and virtual events. In 2021, we anticipate margin compression as we intend to make targeted investments in our public cloud infrastructure to support the integration of Remelia and capture the large and growing AR automation opportunity, and to build out our services and support team for evolving customer and product mix. These expenses will ramp through the year and we expect the impact on overall gross margin will be two to three points in the near term. Additionally, operating expenses vary on a quarterly basis, with a step up in the first quarter driven by annual salary increases, payroll tax reset, and annual kickoff events. We expect to generate operating leverage and additional margin throughout the year as we execute on the top line and the demand environment improves. Finally, we are modeling return to travel costs in the back half of 2021 for many areas of our business. This remains uncertain in our business, but modeling the cost gives us appropriate flexibility as the year develops. We remain on track to achieve our long-term target model. Turning now to guidance, we feel good about where we ended the year and our setup going into 2021. At this point in time, though, there is still uncertainty regarding when the broader economy will return to a normal cadence. As such, our approach to our 2021 guidance remains pragmatic. For the first quarter of 2021, total gap revenue is expected to be in the range of 95.5 to $96.5 million. On the bottom line, we expect to report net income attributable to Blackline in the range of $2.5 to $3.5 million, or four to six cents on a per share basis. Our share count will be approximately 62.3 million diluted weighted average shares. For the full year 2021, total gap revenue is expected to be in the range of 410 to $415 million. On the bottom line, we expect to report net income attributable to Blackline 
in the range of 24 to 26 million dollars or 38 to 41 cents on a per share basis. Our share count will be approximately 62.7 million diluted weighted average shares. In summary, we are very pleased to see an improving demand environment and continued execution from the company to close out a solid end to the year. We remain focused on capitalizing on the long-term opportunities for accounting transformation and driving further momentum in our business. And now we will take your questions. Thank you. And ladies and gentlemen, as a reminder, to ask a question, simply press star 1 on your telephone. To withdraw your question, press the pound or hash key. One moment while we compile the Q&A roster. Our first question is from Matt Van Blit with BTIG. Your question, please. Yeah, hi, everyone. Thanks for taking the question, and uh, great job on closing out uh, a strong year there. Um, I guess uh, looking at the overall partner community, um, you know, tremendous involvement on, on the overall deal flow. Um, maybe as you think about the, the Solex agreement, um, what are you hearing most from, from customers uh, driving demand, and, and what areas um, from a functionality standpoint are you landing most frequently with? Um, and then what's what's maybe more common as, as kind of a follow-up land and expand? That, thank you. Um, with regard to Solex, um, you know, we saw continued progress in Q4, uh, strong logo ads. And so to answer one of your questions there, you know, what are we landing with? We're landing uh, sort of with our traditional base use case, um, helping customers organize and digitize their clothes, provide more visibility, as well as um, core balance sheet substantiation type activities. That's the typical land. Uh, occasionally, there's some other unique attributes to it that will land there, but um, it, it, our base use cases are what we land most frequently with Solex, and that's driven some nice logo volume. Um, the additional uh, uh, question that you had in there was, you know, what are we seeing? is we're seeing a return and improvement over time, which seems to month by month reveal itself a little more and more to us, that companies who may have gone to the sidelines during the early time of the pandemic have reassessed their priorities, and it seems that investing in digital transformation in some of our customers is just too important to pause. And so we're seeing that trend broadly throughout our customers and, and new customer lands. And then following up on, on some of the investments, you talked about the, the pace of hiring really picked up, and, and we've seen a number of um, releases about the, the go-to-market team, um, you know, in some parts kind of backfilling from, from what you had uh, responsibility for, Mark. Just curious in terms of the rate on the, the quota-carrying rep side, and then where do you feel like your capacity is given, um, you know, the potential for an increase, further increase in, in end market demand um, in 21? Do you feel like you have to add even more headcount there, or is it some more kind of support services around customer success, um, you know, sales engineers, uh, things of that nature? Thanks. Yeah, uh, thanks for the question. So one of the benefits we had going into the pandemic is that we had made a very uh, large uh, pattern of hiring into the go-to-market. We had, had gotten people where we needed them and really hired up and started the year with a good cohort of uh, sales leaders and salespeople around the world. 
Our focus during the year was really to keep them deployed in the areas where they could help our customers, where they could build their markets and work with partners as demand returned. And so we're really proud of the retention uh, of that group of people, and they remain at the end of the year pretty consistent with where we started the year. And so as we but, – but the hiring also in the sales and marketing team came in the customer support organizations for serving the customers and success and, uh, and particularly around the account management area as well. So as we move into 2021, our goal was to have the capacity and the strength to meet the demand. So we'll move through the first part of this year with enough capacity, and then we'll be hiring sales and uh, marketing uh, teams uh, as we move through the year at pace with the demand returning. I'll also add that our hiring success in other parts of the business, like in our tech leadership and in parts of the business that drove our um, uh, sort of leadership in, in product and tech, was also very strong for the year, which we're equally proud of. All right. Well, thanks for taking the questions, and congrats again. Thank you. Thank you. Our next question comes from Rob Oliver with Baird. Your question, please. Great. Good evening. Thank you very much. Um, and just, uh, Therese, uh, thanks to you as well, and uh, uh, enjoyed working with you as well. So I just wanted to echo your comments and um, say thank you. Uh, and also congrats to Mark Woodhams on his promotion. Uh, Mark Hoffman, uh, I'll start with you, and then I have one follow-up. You know, uh, the – the commentary around the, the partner channel, um, you know, it, it sounds like it's continuing to evolve really nicely. You know, Therese put in a lot of groundwork in building out that partner channel early on. And, you know, some of our checks have shown that, you know, partners are, are, are clearly getting more engaged in the financial suite, uh, particularly around remote close. So just curious if I know you guys have a pretty loyal cadre of partners around your ecosystem, but have some of the um, – circumstances of, you know, remote close and the pain um, caused some of maybe the, the partners that have been a little less active with you guys to start to get more active, and how do you think about, the you know, that partner channel evolving and contributing in 21, uh, and then I had a follow-up. Thanks. Yeah, thank you. So, um, you know, consistent uh, performance in our partner community in 2020 and, uh, and Q4 specifically they're involved in uh, a pretty consistent percentage of our largest deals in the quarter. Um, I, I think to your point regarding areas of expertise, I, I think largely customers and companies in general, even uh, prospects, uh, in such a unique time sought out expertise and experience. And a lot of the people who possess that expertise and experience are either our employees or uh, employees of our partners. And, and so with the, you know, with the concept of the remote closer having to endure something for the first time, I think it drove a lot of um, hand raisers and eyeballs towards uh, some of our partners um, who possess that expertise and, and um, performed admirably on behalf of us and those customers. Um, I think that it'll continue to be a phenomenon that will drive us. We try to take um, and serve our customers broadly with our own talent as well as that talent from the partner community, um, I, I don't. I don't think that'll diminish over time. I think it'll be a, a consistent strategy that we'll have to offer expertise either through us or third parties to help customers who are engaging in digital finance transformation. The expertise this year was just unique because it was the first time I think anyone's endured to 
you know, pandemic and the effect on accounting. Great. Thanks, Mark. Appreciate that. And, uh, Mark Parton, I had a follow-up. Um, for you, um, appreciate, uh, the, a lot of the detail that you gave uh, around the numbers and the thought process on 21. Just regarding the customer account, which, again, you know, really nice growth for you guys on the customer account. It's really becoming a nice trend here. What, what, did that include any um, inorganic element relative to Remelia? And um, if so, just wondering if you could provide any, provide any color there. Thanks. Yeah, of course. Thanks, Rob. Um, so out of the little over 200 customers added, about 100 were from the acquisition of Remelia. Um, we had some complementary customers as well. As you know, uh, those were already included in the numbers. So these were net new from the acquisition. And in Q4, um, the growth in customer logos was something we were very pleased with. Great. Thanks again, guys. Thank you, Rob. Thanks, Rob. <laughs> Thank you. Our next question comes from Matt Stotler with William Blair. Your question, please. Uh, hey everybody, thank you for taking my questions. Um, I guess first, uh, would like to touch on um, uh, maybe the, the bigger picture here, a bigger picture question. So, Remilio is obviously a, a really solid addition, really, really interesting expansion opportunity there. Um, but when you think about the process cycles that you're ultimately looking to consolidate and automate, uh, whether that's you know record a report, procure to pay, quote the cash, I mean, there's a lot there. So. How do you think about optimizing the value proposition for your customers and, and what's most important to own versus where you can partner to provide that value? Yeah, so we uh, have set a strategy that really revolves around serving the needs of the controller. Um, and so, you know, that's an area obviously in our, our original category, creating and leading space that we do quite well. We have great brand permission in that space. Um, we uh, we look at um, both the product that we build organically ourselves through that lens and dimension, as well as any further activity we may perform. We provide that same strategic lens to it. Um, you mentioned a number of areas in there that are of interest in us uh, to us, um, but primarily, you know, we're looking to make sure we stay close to the controller. Uh, there's just a n great number of areas, processes that require uh, additional modernization, uh, optimization, and automation that um, we have our eyes on, and um, we're excited about the future of building a company that can really serve that controller. Got it. That's helpful. Um, and then maybe one on the uh, the competitive landscape. We'd love to just get a, an update on if you're seeing any uh, significant changes in behavior uh, in this environment, especially given it's, it's a pretty unique environment that, that you're operating in at this point. Um, there have obviously been, you know, a couple of uh, interesting uh, partnership announcements in the competitive landscape over the past few months, so we'd love to uh, get any update or color on what you're seeing there. Thank you. You know, no real uh, meaningful change in the competitive environment. Um, I, I, would, uh, I believe that the demand environment's improving over time, um, uh, it spills over into to every bucket uh, out there, and so I'm sh I'm sure that there are other organizations who are beneficial to that improving demand environment. We believe that as the market creator, the category leader, that a lot of that value accrues to us. And so uh, the only thing I can uh, tell you realistically in the competitive landscape, uh, inertia status quo continues to be the number one matter that um, we deal with from a competitive standpoint. 
Uh, we win our fair share uh, based on our experience. Our modern accounting playbook um, has really boosted win rates for us based on um, sort of proven value uh, our expertise measured across thousands of companies that use our software, and that's really resonating in this current environment. And so um, we're pleased with where we stand from a competitive standpoint. Great. Thanks again. Thank you. Thank you. Our next question comes from Alex Kalar with Raymond James. Your question, please. Thanks. I, I also want to follow up here on the, on the MAP program. And some of the announcements that you made at Beyond the Black, which seemed to kind of build on that, and by taking some of those learnings and bundles and moving them up market. So I'm curious what you can tell us about the early feedback around accelerators and any additional details around catalysts that, that you teased at the, the conference. Thanks. Yeah, so thank you for that question. I appreciate your uh, tuning in to Beyond the Black. Um, the modern accounting playbook is still in its early innings itself as a as a, as a concept for us. We've had it in the market for four quarters, reflecting us as a, as a leader in the space, leveraging our experience. It's driven great customer logo expansion for us, when rates are up versus inertia, the days to close metric. All these things really, really uh, perform it for us. So we're excited to begin the journey uh, towards uh, that same expertise leverage into the enterprise. And then what you referred to is uh, our collaborative accounting experience where we're taking and now packaging uh, that experience in a way that takes customers where they are on the journey of digital finance transformation and applying our expertise for having the right solution at the right time with the right deliverable for them. Um, it's just kicking off uh, realistically in Q1 and uh, way too early for us to uh, give you any sense of uh, market reception. Um, that'll, that'll be something that hopefully you'll uh, check back with us on in the future. Okay, thanks. And, and then I guess given kind of we're, we're four quarters into MAP, are you seeing any of those early adopters kind of graduate from that initial bundle and, and taking additional products? Is that kind of part of, of your confidence behind the, the reacceleration of the net retention revenue metric? Thanks. Uh, the simple answer is yes from, a, uh, you know, them coming back to us and looking for expansion in terms of its impact on. Yeah, you know, we see uh, we see really positive influence on this. The impact is larger deal sizes, uptake of uh, strategic products down in the, in the mid-market, uh, like a transaction matching. So those are positive trends that we think that comes from that leadership through that program. And those are happening. Great, thank you. Our next question comes from Pat Wall Ravens with JMP. Your question, please. Oh, great. Thank you. Um, so, Mark, I have sort of a big picture question for you, which is, so when I covered you at NetSuite, you guys were really good in the SMB, and you had to make your way up market, right? And you had that whole capturing the subsidiaries first approach. Um, but a black line is sort of really good at enterprise and you need to make your your way down market. So I, I just love to hear your um, thoughts on, you know, how those are different and um, what you've learned and what you're applying. Yeah, thanks, Pat. Um, I would say that black line is an, um, 
it's a premier product, a premier solution, and we serve some of the largest organizations in the world at scale. Um, and so what we build is that sort of class. What we've strategically done is taken and find, finding ways to drive a very efficient deliverable based on that same technology set and then our experience to apply it to um, a mid-market company, a mid-market organization. I wouldn't necessarily say they're SMB companies in that. No. That's a... Uh, that is a really uh, inefficient way to um, build a company. And so, you know, we operate in the traditional mid-market segment. We try to win uh, companies that, are, you know, are at the um, revenue size and complexity that we have great value for. And we try to make sure we win uh, the right logos, uh, customers that are well-backed, high-growth companies, and get them on their way up, and then we can serve them, for in essence, their lifespan. And, and how do you, I'm sure there's exceptions, but just sort of generally speaking, how do you draw that line? Well, the, the, I think we're good at understanding what we do really, really well and what we don't, and we have a good discipline in our go-to-market uh, organization. Yeah, um, we're really aware of how we spend our money and spending you know, SaaS organizations spend a decent amount of money on sales and marketing. You know that very, very well, Pat. And spending that to chase after somebody who's not going to stick with you and love you for a long time is probably not the most efficient spend. And so we, I think we're really disciplined at it. Um, usually it's based on the complexity of the customer's organization measured in accountants, their, uh, the type and complexity of their ERP uh, environment, and the type of work that they do. Great. Okay, thank you. Thank you. Our next question comes from Josh Beck with KeyBank. Your question, please. Thanks for taking the question, team. I wanted to go back to some of your earlier comments around digital transformation. Certainly, I think uh, early in the pandemic, it certainly got put on the back burner and more front office collaboration types of, of project probably took priority, but it feels like, you know, maybe as we went through the year, there was a change there. So just curious if, if that's what you saw. And then, you know, as you enter 21, you know, would you describe the, because you, you did say that certainly you felt like you were an area of strength, that more or less it's at a similar or higher priority to where it was pre-COVID. Just would like to hear some of the antidotes and the feedbacks that, that you're having with, with your customers on that topic. Sure. Thanks, Josh. Uh, I, th I think it's a little premature to try to identify where it is versus pre-COVID. Um, but what I can, I can tell you from the experience in talking to our customers and prospects and talking to our sales team and leaders um, is a gradual improvement over time in customers returning to the marketplace and reprioritizing where they spend their money. There was a number of people who uh, went to the sidelines, if you will, uh, post-pandemic that existed throughout the quarter. We saw some of them start to return um, uh, to the uh, having these priorities in Q4. We were the beneficiary of that from the demand environment improving. And we see that continue on a forward-looking basis 
in our pipeline and our opportunities. Uh, our sales team's um, uh, excited about heading into 2021, having people come back, having people prioritize digital finance transformation. And I, I made this statement earlier because we heard it a couple times from our customers um, in, in virtually the same words, that digital tra transformation of finance was too important and too big to pause. And so they took a pause, they re-prioritized uh, uh, what they were going to invest and spend money on, and then have returned. Okay, that, that, that's very helpful. And then I'm just curious with Remilia, now that you've had it under uh, the umbrella a little bit longer, what has been maybe some of the the synergies in, in go-to-market? I know it's, it's very early, but just would be curious there. And then just anything you can share on maybe revenue, how we should be thinking about that uh, from Remilia as we go through the year. Great. Yeah. Um, it's still early, as you mentioned. And I have to say, uh, first off, that, um, you know, when you buy an organization, you buy, obviously, their intellectual property and their brand and all these things. But you also, you know, you acquire a team of people. And we really love the team that we got as a part of it. Um, we started out really purposely focused and concentrated on their cash application business that they um, had in the market. And we put that in the hands of our sales team early, and we drove collaboration um, with our sales team uh, around that with their existing sales team in sort of an overlay fashion. So we view that as a product to put in to the distribution organization that's more vast and uh, um, global in nature at Blackline. Um, beyond that, we also wanted to make sure we uh, took advantage of our largest conference of the year, Beyond the Black, where we really highlighted uh, cash application and, and uh, uh, accounts receivable by Blackline. Um, and we had 2,000 attendees at the um, Beyond the Black session that we have. We mentioned that we're already transacting there, and we feel um, cautiously optimistic, I would say, that the trends that we're seeing in that business with the collaboration uh, of our sales team with their expertise is going to really pay off for us. The close of the acquisition was effective the first day of the fourth quarter, we didn't expect it to be material in the quarter, and it wasn't to our overall revenue growth. Um, however, it did beat our expectations. We're out of the gate pretty quick. We've been super pleased with the performance in the market, and um, we did get uh, better than expectation. But uh, given the purchase accounting rules, it's not material to our growth rate um, in, this, in that period. Really helpful. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks. Our next question comes from Mike, Mark Murphy with J.P. Morgan. Your question, please. Hey, good afternoon. This is Matt Koss. On behalf of Mark Murphy, uh, thank you for taking uh, my questions. Um, maybe just to follow up on um, you know, Josh's question about Remelia, you know, you, you said it's not uh, you know, meaningful to your or material to your growth rate. Were you talking about in Q4? only, or was that also for, for 2021? Yeah, thanks, Matt. Um, you know, we said this uh, before, too, is that uh, it's not material in Q4, nor do we expect it to be a meaningful contributor in 2021, given the purchase accounting rules. We think that uh, as we move into 2022, we'll see the contribution from that acquisition at the top end. 
We are investing in that business. That is a part of the the, um, the margin expectation in our guide um, as we move forward. Got it. Got it. Okay. And then, you know, given the acquisition of Remelia, should we expect any difference in the mix uh, of, of the services component of your revenue uh, for 2021, or should it be kind of similar to what we've seen historically? It, it's going to be similar. You're not going to see the same acceleration in our services revenue that we've seen in the last couple of years. It will moderate in this upcoming year. We mentioned that as a percentage of our revenue and customer mix, we like it in this range, and so we would expect to see that again this year. Um, Remilia as a um, uh, business model is very similar to Blackline, where it's high subscription, high renewal, high retention rate, and um, s- small services. Got it. Okay. And then, uh, you know, last one, you know, are there any um, changes, you know, I, I know you've, you've described a lot of the hiring that you've done and, and put in place last year, but are there any changes you expect Mark Woodhams to make as your new uh, chief revenue officer? Uh, the short answer to that is no. Um, Mark is a, a very experienced and disciplined sales leader. Uh, he's going to continue to execute our multi-year growth initiatives. He added to his team with by hiring a, a new leader for um, our large partnerships and Solex. We announced that. Um, in terms of staffing changes or go-to-market changes, uh, I would say nothing substantial there. Um, more of the same, the, the things that were working for us before the pandemic, the things that worked to help us get us through the pandemic will be the things you'll see in 2021. Okay. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Our next question comes from Terry Tillman with Truist. Your question, please. Hey, folks. This is David Unger filling in for Terry Tillman. Thanks for your time. Uh, so just going back to spend, I know we've talked about it a bunch here in the Q&A session. Uh, you've definitely been investing smart. I believe we're actually now at the midpoint of your sales and marketing long-term target. And I know you're being prudent with your forecast and also focusing on growth, but just thinking longer term about G&A efficiency opportunities. Maybe as we look out 12 to 24 months, so I'm just trying to get a handle on the support side in terms of synergy opportunities and striking that delicate balance. Thanks. Yeah, uh, thanks. Good question. Our, look, we, we, we think that's uh, economies of scale, and as we continue to build um, you know, our global infrastructure and support, which we think is world-class today to support our growth around, around the globe, that we'll get um, – synergy and economies of scale over time in the G&A. And that's why when you look at where it is today versus where our target is, that's a big area of incremental operating leverage as we move forward. Okay, understood. Thanks for that. And then, so I know you just did a big acquisition, obviously. We're, we're talking about it a bunch here, and it's great. Um, and you're, you're very selective. Uh, you do have a healthy balance sheet. So just wondering broadly your view on the product opportunities set in the marketplace to complement your offerings and just generally how you're seeing valuations um, out there in the marketplace at this point in the recovery. Thank you. Yeah, uh, I'll start. Look, at, uh, we, we continue to believe that um, we have a complete product set, operate really well in financial close with a very large opportunity that remains new and unpenetrated. So there's a, an, an incredible amount of headroom for us to invest in what makes us great in those products that are today ready and in market. Uh, the AR automation was an example of Mark's 
uh, strategy he described earlier about being able to serve as the place for the controller um, within the financial close as they go through this macro trend of digital transformation. Um, earlier, someone asked about the cycle management processes. That's exactly the process you would go through if you're a controller. You are working uh, from a place of financial controls, looking at these different cycles and trying to automate them similar to uh, the ones that we do. Our view is that we're investing in our platform today. Um, a lot of that is to drive innovation. We've, we are innovating now more than ever. Uh, and we are willing to do acquisitions where it makes sense to serve our customers and to drive that strategy of serving the controller. Excellent. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thanks. Our next question comes from Chris Merwin with Goldman Sachs. Your question, please. Hi, thanks very much for taking my question. Um, so I wanted to ask about the, the partner uh, ecosystem's involvement um, with, with Remelia and that, and that opportunity for you all. Obviously, you have longstanding relationships, you know, with, with the core financial close. How much are the partners helping right now in, in educating companies about the AR automation opportunity? And is, is that an area where you can invest more to, 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 push, to push them as you think about selling this product uh, into some of your larger customers? Thank you. Yeah, thank you. So, it, you know, it's interesting. Um, the answer to your question is yes, they're integral to the strategy of Remelia and educating the market and providing services and expertise. Remelia, um, as you may remember from our announcement, was a UK-based company, and they had uh, great awareness and traction in Europe. And so there was a slight nuance to the partnerships not being just directly overlapped to ours. There was a couple of organizations really successful organizations that they were better aligned with, which we believe will start to draw some synergies with our um, uh, category-leading closed process automation space. Alternatively, what we really liked about it was Blackline's strength and brand awareness and customer uh, portfolio here in North America and the fact that we have some of these really great and productive uh, advisory firms that we work with and the ability to now have them assist and provide more reach, more expertise for clients is something we're really, really excited about. Great. Thanks a lot, Mark. Thank you. Thank you. And our, <clears throat> excuse me, and our last question comes from Brent Bracelin with Piper Sandler. Please go ahead. Hi, guys. This is Hannah Rudolph on for Brent today. Thank you for taking my questions. First, I wanted to ask about what pipeline build was like coming out of Beyond the Black relative to prior years, and thus far, how are pipeline close rates trending um, relative to historical rates with in-person conferences? Yeah, um, look, that's a it's a great question. We spend a lot of time in analytics around that. It's still early. Where you know we've we've built a pipeline um, beginning at the at the very front of the COVID, but. Look, what we saw in Q3 and Q4 was improving um, uh, close rates and pipeline behavior, better consistency in the virtual. Uh, we started to see things that are very promising, uh, great potential. We've been efficient in the marketing and sales organization through, throughout the year and are actually confident and feel good about the level of interaction, dialogue, and demand that we put uh, into the pipeline. Great. That's super helpful. 
And then clearly there's a tremendous opportunity here to modernize the back office, and it seems like 2021 could really be the beginning of this major upgrade cycle. So I was wondering, what are you most excited for in 2021, and do you feel that there are any underappreciated levers of growth going into the year? Hannah, I think you said that very well. Thank you. Um, we're <laughs> equally excited about that. There's a tremendous opportunity. I don't know if it's the uh, first step or not. Um, I can just tell you on behalf of all the employees I've talked about, I think 2021 is going to be a year of change. Um, uh, uh, perhaps uh, this will be the year where we see progress made against this pandemic. And so people, are, I think, are really excited about more traditional means of working together, even though they're prepared to continue to operate in this unique model that we're in. Uh, the return of a normal economic cycle, um, the return of or the continuation, I, I guess, of the improving demand environment. Um, everybody has really rallied around the initiatives that we have as a company. Um, we took a lot of effort in 2020 making sure that our employees and our customers were cared for. I think we built a great bit of loyalty around that. Um, they're ready for an improving demand environment and, and to execute the plans that we have in place. Great. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And this concludes our Q&A session for today. I would like to turn the call back to our CEO, Mark Huffman, for his final remarks. Thank you. And thank you for joining us today. We appreciate your ongoing support of Blackline and to continue with the tradition that was established by founder Therese, I'd like to remind you, all of you, and ask that as you, you run into them, refer your portfolio companies to Blackline and we will take really good care of them. We're excited about the opportunities for accounting transformation and driving further momentum in our business. We look forward to continuing this discussion at our analyst day and other investor events during the year with you. Thank you. And thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for your participation in today's conference. You may now discuss.